Hi folks, I am Alan Wharton. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 15th of January 2017. It's quite amusing in a sense to, and boring too, mind you, to watch the big system of the world and what runs the world and the many front organizations that are given to the public where you can track all the different plans for the future. These private organizations, the think tanks and so on. I've mentioned so many of them before over the years. And that is your front because they all really are controlled by a higher uh, level than themselves, even the Council on Foreign Relations. And we find even in George Orwell's system they talked about too, there's the inner party and the outer party, the, the higher up group. And you find the same thing with the Royal Institute of International Affairs, CFR, the higher group and the outer group. Uh, so the, there's definitely insiders and outsiders, you might say. But the outsiders do the work and uh, the, the, the planning is done higher above them too. We're run by organizations and forces which you don't elect. I've said that so many times. And they're, they're rather boastful about it, really. They have been in recent years especially and because they feel that they're pretty well conquered uh, and yet now, of course, with the U.S. Uh, starting to reel in a lot of its mandates and uh, going in a different direction, possibly, we'll wait and see, you, you'll see that they're, they get nervous. The CFR and other organizations are becoming nervous because they've done so much work and they've boasted quite out loud, in fact, especially in Canada, how they drafted up so many of these free trade uh, treaties. Uh, this private organization, the CFR did, and then handed it to government to sign. Uh, it's quite amusing to, to watch it happening as folks folk still think that they have a democracy. It's such a farce, isn't it? But so many of what's looked upon as the globalists and their minions beneath them, uh, and unfortunately most folk are in the minions, the followers, of whatever group that they've been assigned to follow, basically, uh, and they uh, are like the sheep in George Orwell's Animal Farm, where they have four legs good and two legs bad, the mantra. And you can change the mantra halfway through and they won't notice. And that's what happens all the time when the memes are given. They don't really notice that often what they're pushing for today uh, was what they were pushing against yesterday. They don't know themselves. They're almost automatons in a sense. That's why if you join these big organizations, you will lose your identity completely and you'll lose your wits as well. We've watched for many years now the destruction of a lot of Western nations, the planned destruction of them. And we've read the articles in the proud boast by those often who are behind it. And uh, they call themselves socialists, international socialists and all the rest of it. But regardless of that, they don't believe they really don't believe in anything called democracy, and they don't believe in any nation's right to sovereign. Well, there's are, there are exceptions to that rule for sovereignty. Depends which nation it is. But that's the reality of it, too. So what you're finding today is this massive pushback, a kickback, or a blowback, you might call it, to, to this blatant push to destroy all that was to bring in the new, as they say, those who bring in order out of chaos, their own order, once they've caused chaos for all the old order. They destroyed everything that was to bring in the new. And that's why you see such madness being forced down your throats by laws and all the rest of it. And you're told to even be insane at times and go along with insanity in order to obey the law. 
and that of course cannot be it cannot be that cannot be done so you're seeing the kickbacks today and you're seeing nations in, in Europe that had long enough under first the, the, the partly the German yoke uh, Nazi German yoke and then the yoke of the Soviet Union the old Soviet Union um, they get a little bit of freedom for a little while and meanwhile they end up in a worse condition than before because we see this super monster using so many of the tactics of the old Soviet left being used upon them across the whole of Europe under the European Union Parliament that they're not happy with it at all. Britain was the first one to try and break free of this and other ones are trying to follow suit as well. That's kickback. Let's kick back to all the ridiculous laws, the rules, the cocky demands for money from nations, for taxes, for bailouts and all the rest of it that you must do with all these agreements for the banks because the banks run the whole of the EU at the top. And who, who said that uh, a constitution must have the bankers running the whole darn show? In fact, any government, any government could do what the Bank of Canada used to do. And it was, a, it was basically run by the government. It printed its own cash. It spent it into existence for roads and all repairs and all the rest of the stuff. And, of course, that was shut down years later. And, um, and, and now the Canada uh, it, it just borrows from the, all the international bankers like everybody else today. And you can't get out of the hole. I'll put a little article upon that tonight, in fact, because there's been a, an, um, an organization in Canada, very small, pushing and pushing for years now to try and get um, through the court system, legal system, to get a change back to what it used to be. And good luck to them, really. But uh, there are people who try. But getting back to this whole system of political correctness, which we're sick of, absolutely sick of, by the way, and this forced self-policing, as the United Nations uh, strategists and psychologists call it, of the training the mind of, of everybody to self-police. So you can't be spontaneous and just blurt out a thought or, oh no, oh, oh no, there's, there's laws about blurting thoughts out, etc., etc. Self-police the brain. And that's total censorship with a scientific twist to it. It's abhorrent. It's anti-human. And people are really, really showing how sick of it all that they truly are. Absolutely sick of it. And in Germany too, um, with all of its, its problems, it's, it's got to support the whole of the EU financially pretty well. You have a massive corrupt government, uh, they call it government, or system of the EU parliament at the top, uh, the commission, and uh, no one seems to be responsible. At least they won't take blame for anything that goes wrong. They keep plundering the public, and it's disgusting what's been allowed to happen. Absolutely disgusting. Blatant robbery and corruption. Where lobbyists have got first pick in dibs to see everybody to get all their different um, um, products uh, sold easily via the government, government help. Everything today is public-private partnerships. You understand that? That's why there's over 2,000 full-time lobbyist organizations uh, based around the EU Parliament. And the same thing everywhere else, too. Canada's got them, so is the U.S. And that's disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. To me, that's just blatant corruption. I don't care what else they want to call it. That's corruption. They used to call it fascism at one time. And it doesn't matter if you think of communist fascism, because it's all the darn same. Communism was a con game. Uh, they pretended that everybody was equal 
And the elite who ran communism from its beginning to end were a super wealthy elite that moved in. They were wealthy very shortly afterwards because they were pocketing so much of the wealth of the whole darn country of slave labor underneath them. Everything is the same racket. And folk do have enough of it. Now we've got the carbon taxes in. Snuck in, I've read for years and years and years, the statements by the top organizations from all the different NGO groups that were pushing for it, admitting it was all a scam. I've got statements from all the politicians, including ones from Canada, who said even if the science is all bogus or fake, it doesn't matter because they could take all this money for carbon taxes and spread it around the world. Well, you see, that's what, in democratic societies, that's what charities were for. That gave you the option if you want to scatter across the planet or not. It gave the individual the opportunity. It didn't have the, the government acting like banks, where they then borrow money and loan it out to the third world countries. Knowing darn well they cannot pay it back. And they loan it through private banks, the IMF, and they put the citizens of your country down in Canada or the States or whatever as a guarantors to pay it off, knowing the third world country cannot pay it off. It's a great scam if you're a top banker. And we live through this stuff, and we accept it. And what's wrong with us? We've all been trained. All been trained, folks. And they always keep you so busy and worried all the time. Oh, there's another war coming up. Oh, there's another bank collapse going to happen. Oh, there's, there's always something. Oh, you're going to die of 10,000 plagues. Or the chicken flu, or the swine flu, or the frog flu, or whatever it happens to be today. And that never happens. You never get all these things happening. This is how they keep you in a total state of worry. And I've done talks on this before to show you how it all works and to give you clips from all the famous players of the past going over it from 30 years or 40 years ago and then to 20 years ago or 10 years ago repeating the same horror to you. The same players repeating the same horror to their same citizens using the same terminology. To keep you all stampeding. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, there's a lot of folk that are hopeful in the States. I don't know if it will happen or not. I don't uh, put my faith in politicians, I've always said that. And really, private groups run presidents and prime ministers. Uh, private groups, not even the ones that you think run them, actually run them. That's their man or woman. They put them out there and that's that. We're along for the ride to an extent. And But there are a lot of folk, regardless, are just sick of it all. They're absolutely sick of it. And they're sick of um, the permanent welfare state as well, which, of course, was put out there uh, for different reasons, for control and for creating armies of unemployed people, which can be stirred up any time they want. But also, and this was all discussed a long time ago with the Labour Party in Britain, and then copied in the U.S., but they can also deal with people uh, rather than have them walking the street or, or have them demonstrating or smashing things up because there's no work. They can keep them uh, busy, drugged or whatever. I can remember when Margaret Thatcher in Britain altered what at that time had been a sacred cow for a long time. And that was the closing and opening times for the bars, the pubs, uh, the booze houses. And uh, this didn't need to close around 2.30 in the afternoon, and then reopen at 5 or 5.30 or something, things like that, and then close at 10.30 or 11 at night. And they did away with that in Britain. And there was a big hullabaloo about it at the time, and protests and all that. 
um, because it would at that time that that was when the country was in the pits, the depth of uh, unemployment, incredible unemployment. Britain had overtaken Sweden at that time for the suicide rate amongst young people for the whole world. I mean, that's how bad it was. They weren't being told, of course, they weren't telling the citizens that since World War II and, and at the United Nations, through all the different agreements they signed, Britain had agreed to de-industrialize like other countries too, but definitely was to lead in de-industrialization, which would make sure that eventually there'd be no factories left at all. And that's pretty well what they did. Right through the 70s and 80s, um, it got worse and worse and worse. And they would bring, bring in a service economy after that. So, uh, as I say, the whole world's always been planned. The chaos is always planned. The ones in charge lie that their teeth off to the public and never tell them what's really going on. And in fact, the, the European Union amalgamation of the countries into one under one parliament was kept secret from the public since 1948. That was their goal always, to emerge the countries under one parliament. And they were told in their chart, this is the workers, the, the high bureaucrats, always to lie to the public until they actually had it up and running as a one parliamentary system. This, this is what you, they call democracy. Really something. And don't think it's changed today. Like a few years later, we're suddenly more civilized and more open. No, we're not. We're worse than ever before with secrecy. Worse than ever. Thatcher went on television when she was in and told people at that time that a generation was growing up who would never see work in their lifetime. Get used to it. Get used to it. And that's part of the reason they gave you the welfare system. And she also said that's why they were doing the the hours for the pub, the closing times, because it's better to have them and drunken in the and the, the pubs and the bars spending their unemployment money than protesting and, and rioting on the streets. And that strategy, of course, is used everywhere, isn't it? The whole idea of free trade, apart from the fact that it was monopolizing for a few, the same big handful of international corporations monopolizing the power in, over a country for import and export. But the other idea, too, for, for the free trade was to was to basically uh, de-industrialize, as I've said, and make you interdependent. In other words, if you couldn't produce things yourself, uh, then you'd be dependent on the countries that would produce what you needed. But they didn't mention the fact that your country didn't have to produce anything at all. You'd all be on a service industry just passing things around that you imported, or serving cakes or whatever, or stacking shelves, but uh, that doesn't last long, does it? And we know that now. A top economist at the time, for, if there's such a thing as a top economist, since it's basically voodoo of projections and guessing, and conning too, chronology. Because after all, after the 2008 uh, bank crashes, the top economists at the time never saw it coming, supposedly. So what good are they? <laughs> How can they call themselves experts? They never saw it coming. They're either pretty useless at what they do, or they're a, they're a bunch of liars. Take your pick. And it's time we started calling things today what they are. Because that's what things really are. We've been so polite for way too long that we've been stepped on, trodden on, and basically ground into the dirt. And that's what's happening today. And that's what the big organizations like the CFR is noticing. They know darn well what the backlash is. They found it true with the leave the, the European Union, the Brexit vote in Britain. 
It was ordinary folk that had been left behind and, and spat on, basically, and to hell with you, by this supranational Soviet government that runs this, which is the EU. Left them behind to wear all their work, and, and basically made them uh, in their own countries second or third class citizens. And that's the backlash. And that's what's been felt across the whole planet right now. And all the so-called first world nations that have been told they must keep paying and paying and paying and paying for other countries to come up. And all you're doing is paying money through the IMF, the big con game, so that you can build third world countries, factories that are privately owned, who get it all for nothing, by the way, by your tax money, uh, but privately owned by the same big familiar international corporations that then use cheap labor. This racket is just disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. But there's so many rackets on the go right now, isn't there? They want, they want to control your very existence, even if you can exist at all, if they need you. I've said it before so many times, reading their own books on the air, in fact, years ago, and to show you what was all coming down, and here it all is. If they don't need you to be born, you ain't going to be born shortly. Uh, you'll be run from birth to death with your carbon taxes and energy taxes and so on, uh, and told where to live, how to live, what to eat, where to stay. And you will not be able to live in the country at all or get away from it all. You'd be thrown in amongst the overcrowded cities that are already there till you gradually start dying off. And that's the whole big plan, of course, is to make folks start dying off. They're rather blatant about it and very, very arrogant about it. These top guys in, in academia that have so many spots on television these days convincing the public, you know, do the right thing. Why don't you just, you know, drop dead? And give us all breathing space. That's pretty well what they mean. <laughs> but that's, that's the state of affairs today, isn't it? But yeah, the CFR and the big think tanks to study us all and, and do it all for their masters above them. Um, they know exactly what the backlash is. They know exactly what's going on. And now they have the option of uh, scrambling to accommodate and pretend to give certain concessions to people who've been underdogs for way too long, uh, or else they'll distract you with wars or something like that. Maybe both at the same time. Now, the Council on Foreign Relations, in its own particular magazine, is talking about the growing opposition to globalization and what they call global governance. Did you, did you vote for global governance? No, you didn't. It says it's upending the established international order. Who said this is the established international order? It says weakening prospects for addressing today's most pressing transnational threats and minimizing opportunities for economic growth. We're doing so well paying for all this stuff for the last 30 years, this economic growth, as we get poorer and poorer and poorer. And ask companies like Britain just how, how well off they are today. Don't think you're getting more money than your grandparents did. It's maybe numerically a lot more, but what it buys, it can often be a lot less. As it devalue your currency consistently. And it says the enduring threat of transnational terrorism, which of course they brought on and they bring it in to the country. Renewed prospect of territorial aggression, massive flows of migrants, and perceived weakening of national sovereignty causing policymakers to question past assumptions <laughs> assumptions eh, about world order. Who are these policymakers? Hmm? 
How come all these policymakers be on board with the same agenda, regardless of the parties they claim to, to belong to in all countries for so long? This is on regional uh, security. To consider how best to address the challenges, the German Institute for International and Security Affairs. Don't forget, too, the Institute for International Affairs, which is the British parent company for the CFR, and I've got one for the European Union uh, under the same organisation now, too. So all politicians are at the top or belong to it, this private club. And it says the German Institute for International Security Affairs, in collaboration with the Council on Foreign Relations, it's the same organisation, folks. This is the game, the kind of games they play. German Institute for International Security Affairs, in collaboration with the Council on Foreign Relations, hosted 34 delegates from 19 countries for the Council of Councils' Ninth Regional Conference in Berlin, Germany. Well, so what? This private club has umpteen different meetings with its own members uh, over many years. Eh? We're not voting these guys in, but they're making the policies. They've been making your policy your whole life long. Do you, do you ever hear any politician discussing uh, this, these private clubs that run the governments? When they're running for election type? No, none of them ever do. This is a report which you can download here, and I'll put that up tonight to the link for that. Discusses the highlights. And then they go on about the usual thing, European regional security. Their answer to folk getting restless under the EU is to make it impossible to leave it by creating a European army. And that's what they're going to let loose on the public. That's obvious. And then they go on about migration as a security challenge. Well, if they stopped bombing across the, all these countries, you wouldn't have all these migrants getting out. These, these, these people fleeing the countries. The fight against Islamist terrorism, <laughs> well, what do you expect? Eh? Brexit's implications for the EU and the world, and again, trying to give you scary scenarios of what will happen if Britain left it, and all the things that they brought in this private club, such as globalization, immigration, free trade, and economic and, pol- and political integration. Is that what you vote for? Economic and political integration, meaning the end of your your nation and your sovereignty. That's what you've been doing all your life long, letting these characters run run your future and your children's futures. It's that you expect more countries to leave the EU or demand a reduction in EU authorities. Most of the public, even the politicians that are sitting at the bottom of it, don't even know who the unelected folk on the commission above them are, or what they even do. It's that secretive. Never mind the general public. EU authorities. This is what does Brexit suggest about the power of national sovereignty and the perceived democratic deficit within the EU? (laughs) The perceived democratic? There is no democracy within the EU. And it says, how can the EU and other international institutions regain the public trust and confidence? Well, just keep lying to them, I suppose. That's all you've ever done to the general public. You always treated them like, like garbage, or the general public as mentally subnormal or something. That's why you, you didn't bother coming down from your perches and telling the public what you're up to. Just lie to them, lie to them, and lie to them. Because you see, they don't believe in democracy, they believe in technocracy, where academia and professors and experts will run the world on behalf of the elite above them. I've gone through all this before from their own books. And that's what it's all about. This is populism as a challenge to political stability and globalization. And what explains the surge of populism? I wonder what it could be that folk are just getting fed up with it all. And how does this political phenomenon vary across countries and regions? What challenges does it present for international order? 
and then this is including uh, for multilateral cooperation in areas ranging from trade to migration and security. What steps can international institutions and forums such as the G20 the G20 is a private club made up of your prime ministers and presidents. The public never voted on them or even gave them any uh, go-ahead to go and create these clubs. The International Monetary Fund, uh, actually the CFR created it for them. The International Monetary Fund, the same organisation, CFR, Royal Institute for International Affairs. The World Bank, the private institution for the uh, Royal Institute for International Affairs. And the World Trade Organisation, set up by the Council of Foreign Relations and the Royal Institute for International Affairs. One organisation set all, all these things up, including the UN, by the way. That, that's what set all these things up, up one private organisation. And they talk about, are you not happy with what, what they've given us? Are you, aren't you happy with it? <laughs> like you're a child, eh? And you get a bit peeved about it. You're pouting a little bit. You're peeved because they haven't fulfilled some beautiful desire that has been suppressed or something. You thought you were going to get utopia. Hmm? Socialism under any guise, whether it's a communistic socialism, if it's, that's international, or a national socialism, they're all the same. Authoritarian, expert rules, and you, you do what you're told and shut up. It's that simple. And that's what these, these people who've been so spoiled and pampered with the money they loot off of all of us, uh, that's how they become at the top. They're so arrogant with it all. And, and, and what gets me too, what really gets me, is this awful term they use, democracy, when they use countries under, under NATO to invade countries across the world to bring them democracy when we've never had it ourselves. We've never had it ourselves. And these guys don't believe in giving it to you because they don't believe the general public can handle themselves. Mind you, they've got a point there too. You've got to keep sanity, complete sanity ruling and facts, facts, F-A-C-T-S, facts, running the logic patterns of the system and not ideologies. Facts. Today, facts go out the window when it comes to, well, that's not fair. And you've heard, you've heard all different answers to all this kind of stuff. Well, that's not... Facts go out the window. Yep. And of the multitudes of scientists that don't agree with the small cadre of awfully well-paid prostitute scientists that are all on board with the carbon taxes and so on because they're getting incredible grants from them. disgusting creatures, these prostitutes. But uh, that all the ones who are not on board with it far outweigh them. Uh, and they don't believe in it all, it's, it's all nonsense, but it doesn't matter. And I've even read the articles from the top players who brought us all this stuff saying, well, it doesn't matter, facts don't matter. It's the end result of what it will do. Because everything hinges on controlling us through this farce of carbon and energy taxes. And where you can live, and how you can live, and all the rest of it. And to bring you into austerity, and tax you into austerity. I've read all the articles too from the same top organisations that run this world on behalf of their masters. Talk about how to get us into austerity. Well, that's it, folks. And shortly with these carbon taxes, and you will see it. You will see it. You'll be like Britain, that now accepts thousands of folks dying in their homes every winter because they can't afford to pay the credits that are over there for their heating fuel. You understand, when they've taken away all your abilities, 
the, the, your choices for wood, coal, and goodness knows what else to keep you alive have taken it all from you, and you must use the one thing which they ordered, this big monopoly. And don't forget that part too, it's all they do with monopolies as well. Then you are getting sentenced to death if you can't afford it. And don't fall for this, oh, for the poor folk. We'll give them uh, certain little rebates and think, oh, no, don't fall for it. See, you can't let, it's like letting a cancer cell in. You can't let a cancer cell in. You've got to cut it out and bar it at the beginning or it takes over. So don't fall for the con games. Don't fall for it. This has been nipped in the bud right away. And don't fall for the cons as well because they always start to offer, oh, it's only a few cents a litre. I'll give you two, three years, and they'll jack you up five or six times in the one year, and then they'll keep jacking it up because now you've succumbed to it. So you've laid, you've, you've rolled over, you know, and and told them to do it again, and they'll do it again to you, and to bring it to austerity. And that's to get spread across the board for everything you consume. This tax is to go on top of it. This carbon tax, on top of all the other taxes, to bring you into austerity and to put. Incredible wealth in the hands of a few so-called green banks Where they pretend to store the carbon through all their nonsensical ideas Rubbish, rubbish, it's all lies And I've, I've read so many articles where the top planners for all this admit it's all lies They want total control over folks' lives I mean total, this is the one for the big rush for total control under the guise of environmentalism and saving the planet and all that nonsense too. Yeah. And don't get mixed up with carbon dioxide and carbon monoxide because <laughs> the, the, these characters are playing one hell of a game with you. Never mind global warming. They daren't mention that anymore because the, the, the temperatures aren't complying with their big con game, are they? So climate change. Well, I guess that's what seasons are. The four seasons... Climate change, right? Of course it's always been climate change, but these, this is the chronology they use to, to confuse folk. Well, as you know, it's true enough for climate change. Yeah, it's supposed to change. And it always does. But the, the racketeers who run your minds, and this is the, the thing too, they're running your whole mind. They're running your logic patterns. They're running the children's minds at school. They brainwash them and petrify them. If they don't comply, they'd all die. Everything, including the furry little animals, everyone's going to die. Guaranteeing advocates, lifelong advocates who roll over and play dead when they're told to and cough up and empty their pockets of all their pennies to their masters to save the world. And they'll even dutifully die for it. To save the world. That's how brainwashing works. And then we have this article here about the other ones that believe that they're masters. So at least they, some of them believe that they are. And it's to do with the World Economic Forum. You know, it's backwards. The, the WEF is the, for the few. F-E-W. The annual forum where the who's who of super elites meet in small Swiss Alpine resort of Davos to talk at other super elites about the to talk at other, who, who wrote this, <laughs> about how to solve the rest of the world's problems. No, they don't. What they do is help plan their part of the world and how to train us to, to suit them best the next part of the, of the system for the world. That's what it is. One potential solution, lodge WF staff in containerized housing units during the event. That's what it says. 
There's that many of them, you see. We're facing more and more people every year. I guess they're all coming from China now, one of the multi-billionaires. WEF spokesman uh, Jan Zopf told Bloomberg, you know, and it's aimed to clear hotel space for t- participants. It's not a problem this year, he said, but we'll manage for 2017, but we've got to think in longer terms. Luckily, thinking longer term is WEF's speciality, particularly given the strategic thinkers that it invites annually from heads of state to celebrities to the world's top CEOs. Again, that's, this, is your, this is your technocracy, you know, your, the, the, the whole idea CEOs will rule the world in a new feudalistic system. You know. Together, this motley crew of the world's top players convene in Davos to tackle global challenges through a potent concoction of buzzwordy quotes. Uh, like, every country needs a minister of the future. And they, they actually pay marketing companies to come up with these, these terms. Every country needs a minister of the future. And speed is a new currency of business. Or the fourth industrial revolution should be a revolution of values. And let's put our optimism goggles on. All this, 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 <laughs> this, this, this nonsense uh, that they, they've been yapping about for years, try and make, put, make light of everything that's going down the tubes. Isn't it wonderful it's all going down the tubes? Let's look at, let's look at it in a different fa- way. Well, if you're at the bottom going down the tube, how else can you see it except there's the hole in the bottom of the tube that you're going down? But these characters at the top, let's see what we've done here and the catastrophes we've caused on the general public in a different light. Let's look at it in a different, look at it from a different perspective. That's what they always tell the victims too. See it in a different perspective. <sighs> all this, all this money into psychological testing and studying to con us through the use of terminology. Hmm? You'll have no work. And you'll be gouged silly with all your carbon taxes. And these characters at the top here who go to Davos will be getting all these millions of dollars worth of free carbon credits to start off their businesses. And they trade them and make a profit off them. We schmucks at the bottom pay for all. Aren't you fed up with this nonsense? Aren't you just sick of it all? Feudalistic system. Hmm? Aren't you just sick of it? Aren't you sick of being a serf? Aren't you sick of hearing all the experts they hire to con you and con you and con you time after time after time? Don't look at poverty this way. Look at it from this perspective. You know, it could be a new beginning. <laughs> ah, yeah, I tell you. Luckily, uh, thinking longer term is especially, and it says uh, that uh, the town of Davis has only 13,000 hotel rooms and apartments, a problem during the surge of people visiting during the WF in January. While the exclusive uh, meeting hosts 2,500 participants, the spectacle can draw in thousands more tourists. And in 2015, for instance, some 11,000 people visited the small up in town during the conference. But what it did, actually, you see, to do with these containers, it actually uh, <laughs> it cleared, I think, the staff even out their rooms and all these big hotels. And they, they put them in these big containers. You see the, the stuff coming from China, and basically. <laughs> and it says, um, Alwa Zwingi said, the Parson parking lot near the conference venue could be a great space for erecting the containers for staff housing down the road innovative strategic solution. That way the CEOs and world leaders can focus on tackling challenges like rising income inequality. I guess they should add on to that and, and conning the public even more. Don't look upon it like rising income inequality. Look at it from our perspective. Yeah. 
and social inclusion. That sounds wonderful. Oh, socially. I'm at the bottom of the scale, but I'm socially included. And not have to worry about finding hotel rooms, particularly given the other hardships they have to deal with, like Audi-choked traffic jams and ensuring private planes can land on time before talks on climate change. Oh, and environmental responsibility. These characters, they burn more carbon just flying in and out of different places. And never mind that they're year-long trips across the whole planet. Uh, then you, you'd ever create in, your, in, in 10,000 lifetimes. I bet they're going to get you to pay for all the taxes on this ri- ridiculous nonsense. You're a carbon-based life form, for God's sake. Huh? This is the biggest racket they've ever tapped into. The money system was, was, was the first one. And then making money and then giving paper substitutes for it. And now it's the electronic substitutes. And making money out of nothing was the greatest con. But now they're going to... This is the best form of slavery they've ever devised, is taxing you for putting out carbon dioxide. And you will all die quite lawfully. You can lawfully starve to death because you can't pay all these taxes and then then freeze to death because you can't afford the heating. And you know something too, there'll be plenty of thugs. Every generation down through history has no shortage of hired thugs that they can put in uniform or they can give little badges to or something to go out and persecute and tax and plunder and bonk over the head the general public. They've never had a shortage of thugs. You know that? The same kind of thugs that the Soviet Union used to let loose on the general public that would arrive in the middle of the night and grab folk out their beds, whole families sometimes, and they were never seen again. Thugs. No shortage in and that's sad, eh? And you know something, too? You look back at the old, all the stuff they talked about, the, the French Revolution leading up to it and all that kind of stuff, and how the nobility lived, had those big, big massive balls and decadence and so on, and, and stuffed their faces and, uh, and had 10,000 hairdressers to make one woman's wig that was about 10 feet high and stuff like that. But, but reality, think about it today with these characters that go to Davos. And... and you see, they've used the think tanks and their money power to brainwash, to literally force on the, the children in the world brainwashing into serving the world, the green world, the earth, the earth religion, and, and, and literally sacrificing themselves for the earth and earth religion. So these bums can live in the, in the lifestyle they have off their backs in, in their third world country businesses across the planet. Uh, this is disgusting. You know something too? The folk worship them. Unfortunately, there's, a, there's a something so sick and tragic in human nature as that people will bow their heads in the presence of money and power. Isn't that disgusting? Isn't that disgusting? Hmm? I mean, I read that on the air years ago. It was to do with the Rockefellers. And the old man Rockefeller side, the whole business, was, it was a ruthless tyrant. And he turned the American militia, I think it was in Pennsylvania, on the miners at the time who were striking, and uh, it gunned them down. And there was such blowback from the public who were disgusted at this. this, this there was men, women, and children in these tents that these folk were living in. And they strafed them and killed them. And <laughs> so what they did, they got two guys in, awfully important. One of them is called Gates. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other one was, uh, I think it was Mackenzie King, who became a Prime Minister of Canada. And 
they were PR experts in their own day of, of creating images. And they created an image as a philanthropist to them. And they brought photographers from the press around miners' houses and so on. And here's the, the big tyrant himself um, visiting all the victims of this and, and so on and yada, yada, yada. Make the tyrant and the murderer out to be a philanthropist. He's not wanting help here. This is the con that they play, you see. And the, the, but the author of the book on Rockefellers mentions that. That it was so sad to see ordinary folk who would have been gunned down the day before bow themselves and take off the cap and lower their eyes in the presence of power and money. It is a disgusting, disgusting human trait. And believe you me, that's also how they can hire their thugs. Psychopaths. That's what does it. That's what thugs are. But anyway. So they're going to put all the staff up, <laughs> take them out their little servants' rooms, and put them into these uh, these uh, containers uh, during the conference. Well, that's what Cal should be in, isn't it? Really. Hmm? And then this article here too: China is set to be focused at the WEF gathering, and it'll be the first time a Chinese head of state has attended the annual gathering, which has evolved over more than four decades into the ultimate international networking sessions. They mention in these articles, too, that these folk rule the world and so on. You, know, you don't vote them in, all these different so-called elitists. Hmm? And uh, it says, um, I think the Prime Minister, President Xi, who will open this year's meeting, will be accompanied by the largest delegation of Chinese officials to attend Davos since it first participated in 1979. Every year in mid-January, CEOs, heads of state, top government officials, Artists, academics, and media moguls, all the ones that control you, media moguls, to make sure you never get any real truth of, of any article, you know, any, any real news. Those in academia, that are the technocrats on behalf of their masters or the above them. Uh, CEOs and all the, the big top bankers above them. Heads of state that shouldn't be there in the first place. And top government officials. And then artists, meaning those involved in, in like Hollywood and so on. They give you all the fake stuff to, to believe in and all the war movies and how should we pray to go off and get slaughtered. You know? So this year, amid a perceived U.S. retreat from global affairs and with Europe facing political uncertainty, attendees will watch out for China to emerge as a champion of globalization and multilateralism. I've read on the air the, a, parts of a book from 1937. It was the international meeting of that time, the members of the private group, the, the Milner Group, Lord Alfred Milner Group, that became the Royal Institute for International Affairs, Dash Council and Foreign Relations. That all the top politicians of the Western world in that day, in the 1930s, in their private club, the top international bankers that lent to the countries were there at that meeting, and they were talking about the coming war with Japan. This is 1937. And what, how they could use it again to their advantage, you see. And they would use eventually China down the road to take over from America, that America would rule as the policeman of the world for a while and take over from Britain after, after the war was finished. The war hadn't started, remember, World War II. And then at the end of it, they would um, make China eventually as America through taxation and bringing in the global order uh, would be bankrupt pretty well. They, they put China up as the policeman of the world. They would rule the world. This is before there was a World War II. 
Uh, it's, and the, the title of the book was, was very cleverly uh, uh, disguised under the future of the, the British Empire. Because the empire was to be the embryo for the world government, then they were going to hand it over to the U.S. for a while, and then to China. And they held it in Australia that year, that meeting. And in the book it says, right in the front page, printed and published and funded by the Rockefeller Foundation. Private club. It's been running your lives ever since. Every newspaper organizer, the top there, mogul and so on, and, and the top uh, journalists and TV personnel, they're all members of it. Because they must always lie to you. And I've said you've had fake news most of your life. <laughs> it didn't start now. Anyway, they said here, it's in this article here, it says here uh, that uh, this year, I mean, a perceived U.S. retreat from global affairs, and they're going to watch for China to emerge as a champion of globalization. Last year, the theme was Mastering the Fourth Industrial Revolution. I wonder where that was. This year, from January 17th to 20th, delegates at the 47th gathering will talk about responsive and responsible leadership. For this year's record 3,000 invitation-only participants, networking is probably more important than the formal agenda of speeches and discussion parties. Around 500 journalists will attempt to track events, knowing the most interesting discussions take place out of sight, and do they ever. And more than just uh, there, they always bring in stacks of prostitutes, male, female prostitutes, and children too, by the way, for many different kind of guests. That's allowed under the different... Um, uh, rights that certain cult- cultures have since they're different. Isn't that amazing? And you pay for all that too, by the way. In an atmosphere that can provide, uh, that can provide the background for deals, it could range from business initiatives to international peace agreements. Your pieces of what? Nations and ex-nations and, and the general person, I'm sure, as well. In 1992, South Africa's last apartheid era, President F.W. de Klerk shook hands at Davos with Nelson Mandela. Two years later, Palestinian leader Yasser Arafat held a joint news conference with Israeli Foreign Minister Shimon Peres. And a short time after that, uh, Arafat was in his grave. He died of radiation poisoning. <laughs> had been put into his laundry. <laughs> the annual meeting began in 1971 as an obscure management gathering, the brainchild of German-born Klaus Schwab, business academic. This is Schwab, who's still executive chairman of the WEF, believes business was not only about shareholders, but about stakeholders beyond the business world. And it, it, this is all part of technocracy, how you rule the general public without the public even knowing how they're being ruled. Or how they're even getting taught to believe in this and that and the other, or even the environment. You know. The forum uh, evolved into a gathering for those who in their respective fields run the world. Now, this is quite a statement for you. Do you vote for any? No, you don't. A gathering for those who in their respective fields run the world. The article then talks about, uh, this is recognizing this year's theme of responsible leadership, a concept that WEF says requires recognizing that frustration and discontent are increasing the segments of society that are not experiencing economic development and social progress. That's everybody that shafted over the years for globalization and integration of Europe and all the rest of it. That's what I'm talking about. And by the way, uh, how to fix that from their point of view will be how to indoctrinate even further so you cannot be discontent. I'm not kidding about it. They've had meetings in the past, world meetings. We have talked about putting Prozac and different things into your water supply. Uh, and even lithium, 
I've read the articles on the air years ago from mainstream where they, they had discussed all this kind of stuff to make folk happy, you know. So you won't be complaining about anything. You might freeze to death in your home uh, in winter, but that's okay apparently in Britain now to freeze to death in your home. But they're so, you know, first world, you know, yeah, where life is dirt cheap at the bottom. Anyway, it says this year represents that more than 70 countries will take part alongside heads of international organizations, that's the private organizations, including Antonia Guterres, the new Secretary General of the UN, which, by the way, is a private organization. And Guterres is an international utter socialist, doesn't believe in democracy. Socialists don't believe in democracy. Their idea of, of the socialist Soviet type is ruled by councils. For everything that exists, they'll create a council for it. And then put in all the folk that, you know, that, that have the right qualifications, meaning you know, the right <laughs> trendy things of that particular time, to, to head them. And they always make sure that the ones who head them are awfully well paid. Awfully well paid. And the folk at the bottom have uh, very little, of course, naturally. Anyway, I'll put this article up as well for those who want to, to have a look at it. And this article here says, uh, Your money is being used to help bankroll the World Economic Forum in Davos. Why? Well, we always pay for all the elite dues for the shindigs, don't we? It says, uh, later in the month, hundreds of private jets are expected to descend on a small town in the canton of Grabunden, uh, Switzerland, for a few brief days. They were carrying the elite of the elite who were attending the World Economic Forum. And then he goes on where it's held and all in the beautiful place and the whole thing and all this kind of stuff. Now, basic membership in the WEF, the basic membership, costs $50,000. That's to keep everybody else out, you see. A premium membership can set you back $500,000. But in recent years, the WEF has enjoyed another source of income. Since 2013, the Obama administration has been sending foreign assistance dollars to the WEF through the United States Agency for International Development, USAID, USAID. According to government records, the tab to taxpayers thus far is $26 million. You can't get folk indignant anymore, you understand that? You, you can't get folk upset about things that they should be upset. You can get them upset about anything else if it's done psychologically by experts. But you try and get them upset about things they should be indignant about, and it just won't, it won't happen. It just doesn't happen. I mean, here you have... here you have, That's just one country giving them. Don't think the other countries are not giving them the equivalent amounts of money. Of course they will be. The elite never spend money on by themselves. That's why they're so stinking rich. And they're big, big shindig, big, all the food and their spreads and their tables and servants. No, no, you'll pay for all that. Do you understand you're, you're in the best form of slavery that ever existed on, the, on this planet? You really are, and you have no idea that you're really actually under it. Or you earn a wage, you say, and you can take it home. It's all taxed back off you. And it says um, the attendees include a global elite, including heads of state, business titans. That's where they, they, again, they make deals, private deals, to use your tax money to fund their big corporations and things. Business titans and celebrities, the ones that keep you conned and stupid. The culture creators that make you follow all the disgusting traits that destroy your society. Since there are cocktail parties sponsored by multinational corporations and dinners catered by world-class chefs and served by bartenders and performing magic tricks. 
well, I think the ones that are serving there is what the bankers do the best magic tricks of all. Celebrities like Leo DiCaprio and Bono mingle with current heads of state. Because you see, that again, don't forget the big corners through the IMF and the World Bank, they loan out money via your country that borrows it to start with. And, and the third world countries cannot pay it back. So they use these characters to, to make sure that your prime ministers and presidents write off and then you are put down the guarantor. Remember, you end up getting it tacked on your taxes to pay it off. What a fantastic business deal, eh? What a fan- That's what governments are. They're private businesses. Haven't you figured that out? Haven't you figured that out? <laughs> Anyway, it says WF is considering housing staff and the temporary containers to make room for guests. That means put all their, their maids and so on into these containers, <laughs> put a few beds, throw them in for the, for the cattle at the bottom and put them in, in these uh, shipment containers. So this is without a doubt the most connected non-profit on the planet and, and um, the organization boasts that it provides a platform for the world's 1,000 leading companies to shape a better future for themselves. I added for themselves, naturally. That's what should be on there in the first place. The globalist missionary zeal of the organization, combined with its luxurious parties, has earned at the Davos meeting the nickname Burning Man for Billionaires. I guess they don't pay their carbon taxes, eh? Not surprisingly, the WF is also flush with cash. According to the non-profit's 2015-16 annual report, the organization took in $223 million current exchange rate in revenue, most of it from membership dues and partnership fees. Despite the obvious wealth of the WEF and its members, USAID, that's the USAID, has given assistance to the WEF in the form of tens of millions of dollars of taxpayer money. Since 2013, USAID had given the World Economic Forum $26,091,370 under its foreign assistance to programs overseas initiative, which comprises nearly two-thirds of all grants and other funding the WF took in over that time period. So why is USAID, which is supposed to focus on disaster relief and poverty relief, <laughs> subsidizing such an organization? According to the federal government's spending website, and that's one to look up, by the way, uh, you have a good laugh. It's the best comedy you'll, you'll probably see. Every country has got, well, actually, a lot of countries don't even put up. We have no idea where money goes. USAspending.gov, it's unclear. The money came in sizable grants of $9.5 million in 2013, $11.1 million in 2015, and $5.7 million in 2016. The taxpayer money began to flow the same year the USAID administrators began attending the luxurious CONFAB. USAID administrators uh, Rajiv Shah or Gail Smith have attended every Davos meeting since 2011. In 2013, USAID changed its mission statement to make its prime goals to end extreme poverty and promote resilient democratic societies. That's why they have all these lush parties and stuff, eh? Well, Switzerland is a resilient democratic society. They got that part right. According to government contract reports, it's unclear if taxpayer funds were taken by the WEF and sent to Africa or Asia, but it doesn't seem so. The principal place of performance of these grants was Switzerland, with the recipient city of Colony, where the WEF has its headquarters. Not surprisingly, a search of online real estate records reveals the town has a substantial luxury real estate market. USAID officials were asked to comment, said 
The United States Agency for International Development works with public and private partners to advance America's security and prosperity by promoting resilient democratic societies and ending extreme poverty. USAID has awarded grants to the World Economic Forum, including an innovative public-private partnership to spur economic growth and reduce poverty by reducing the time and cost to trade in developing countries. Well, they, they do that. They, they, you save time and, and costs by just simply giving bribes out. That's what they've always done. I mean, <laughs> that's how big business always works. Hmm? But anyway, uh, they're all subsidized. Eh? They're all subsidized. As I say, to to me, there's nothing new in this at all, but it's never been so blatant in your face. This kind of, as literally we've been under, really, in many countries in the the West, you've been under austerity for an awful long time. As they bring you into it, and they even write about it from the the European Union and the United Nations of austerity must be brought in. uh, And so all your spending money ends up in taxes of all kinds. And 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 in rents and all the rest of it. That's your right to live is all going to be taxes and licenses. Under carbon taxes and all that. Hmm. I'm not kidding you. And that's really how bad things are, isn't it? And it's not bitching either. It's not bitching and complaining about it. It's, it's in your face. It's in your face all the time. And so blatant. And most folk just don't even, they don't even get upset about it, you know. That private groups are running, running their lives. They're, they've often trained that the, the curriculums in school that they're brainwashed with often come from these big groups as well to make sure you're you're awfully compliant, you know, non-complaining citizens who just pay up and pay up and pay up. I'm not kidding you. They've written books about it. Doesn't that get you upset? Doesn't that make you feel indignant? Ah. Well, my goodness me, I've prattled on too long here and a whole bunch of things I wanted to talk about, so I'm going to talk about them next week. But you get the drift of what I'm saying. It upsets me to an extent of watching, living long enough to watch this con game over and over and over and all the different areas of involvement of how to bring up docile, obedient worker bees, basically. Who, who won't complain and who can get their teeth kicked in and take it on the chin all the time and apologize at the same time as they're getting it. I mean, that's, that's how you've all been trained. Be docile and be kicked around. And as I said at the start of this particular talk, now they're beginning to see you. And, and they'll, they'll find ways around it to control us even better, calm folk down one way or another, because they, they do know that folk are getting fed up with all this political correctness and what you can say and what you can't say and, and how you cannot express views or what's staring you in the face at times because it'll make it illegal to even say something. No, sanity must always reside at the top of a society. When government demands that you become insane, don't see what you're seeing. Look at it from this perspective. Again, this is across the board, perception management, they call it. When they demand that you see it the way they want you to see it, which is insane, of course, you'd have to be insane to actually see it that way, you're in trouble as a society. And then you're heading towards horror and disaster from tyrants. Think about that. Think about that. Remember in the old Soviet Union, the mental hospitals were absolutely full of dissidents. 
because you had to be mad, they claimed. They made a psychiatric term, illness. Had to be mad, obviously. You're obviously mad if you're dissatisfied with this utopia. Same characters are running the world today and all the bureaucracies and so on. Think about it. You better really think rather fast because things are coming down very, very quickly. For myself, Alan Watt from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>